Bet365 sponsors this podcast and features over 300,000 sporting events on their betting app. It's got everything you'll ever need to bet on sport. The app lets you access pre-match and in-play markets and provides instant match updates. Bet365 is the world's favourite online sports betting company. This app can be downloaded from Google Play and the Apple App Store. Over 18s only and please gamble responsibly. Hello, I'm Dan Bardell and welcome to 1874, the podcast that will bring you the definitive word on Aston Villa Football Club every single week. Greg Evans here with me as usual. So near yet so far, Greg. We ran City close, but it just wasn't Villa's day. Yeah, very, very close, uh, but ultimately a defeat, so not really much you can take from it, unfortunately. Now, obviously, it's, it's really the only thing we want to cover, so here's what we've got coming up on today's episode. The Carabao Cup debrief, we look back over Sunday's defeat. Leicester coming up on Monday, surely we aren't going to end yet another team's bad run, but this is Aston Villa, so there's every chance. And as always, we'll end with the Villa Vault. <laughs> Really hoping we come here today, Greg, and we get to talk about Villa winning their first piece of major silverware since 1996. But it, it wasn't to be, and a bit of a weird place to start because I'm starting at the end of the game. But on the day and looking looking at the scenes, it felt like Man City were quite blasé about it, and it would have meant so much to us to, to win that cup. Where, where do you stand on that kind of thing? It's, it's a bit robotic, isn't it? Man City have won that cup three years in a row now. Like it's just a normal day at the office for them, but it would have been so so special for Villa. Yeah, I, I actually think the Carabao Cup gets in gets in the way of Man City's schedule, and it, it's almost like a it's almost a hindrance to their season. Actually, look, you know, it's 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 great for diehard supporters who go there and and really enjoy it, and and you know, there's nothing nothing better than winning the cup, is there? But it, it just seems like the League Cup has has lost its spark for those real big teams, um, and I think if I think if Pep Guardiola, if Manchester City as a as a club had their had their own way that they wouldn't enter it and and I think they would be happy if it wasn't there to be honest and the focus for Man City is doing well in the Champions League is winning the Premier League um they've just got bigger fish to fry than than the Carabao Cup unfortunately but for Villa the complete opposite because this used to be a competition that they did really well in um, yeah. obviously the early 90s you know as you mentioned they're um very successful <clears throat> and it would have meant the world to Villa really would and I'm still it, upset about it it could have been like it could have been season transforming for them you know that, that it could have taken them on to a real next level um, and when you compare the differences with the two teams what it means to them Man City didn't really care okay they were pleased but they didn't really care about it did they let's be honest and celebrations felt a bit flat to me yeah <coughs> it's, it's just it's just a nothing for them you know it's just a, okay we won the League Cup again but if, if their season ends and they only win the League Cup it's a disappointing season for them because I can't imagine ever ever taking that stuff for granted. I mean, Man City a few days earlier at the Bernabeu, weren't they? In, in some ways, going there and winning probably meant more to them than actually winning a physical trophy, which I, I can't imagine, even if Villa were to get taken over by the richest man in the world, spend, spend what they want, win every year. I can't imagine ever being bored of it. And I always felt like City were a bit of a, of a team like that. You know, they've had some bad times as well. But it is weird. It does change, change you, doesn't it? And it, as I say, it did feel a, a, li- a little bit flat. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you just got to look at the starting lineup, really. You know, that no De Bruyne. Five, or, five or six of, of Manchester City's regular starters weren't playing. It felt like a reserve Manchester City team, which, let's be honest, will probably finish second or third in the Premier League anyway. Um, so it is very strong. So let's not take anything away from that. But um, and the fact that the, the City fans took so long to sell their tickets and didn't sell them all in the end, yeah. you know, they were they were. It just become a bit of a running joke, didn't it? The um, 
the uh, watch an episode uh, of Corrie. Yeah, <laughs> listen to an Oasis song once, have a ticket. It was just the, you know the criteria that the majority of them. If you were a City fan with the booking history, you could buy three or four tickets, couldn't you? Yeah, you know Villa fans would would have killed for that. Yeah, I was, so many that didn't make it. Still, I was still trying to get tickets for mates leading up to the hours before the game, even still. And when I was walking out, like I said to my dad, I was like, I can't watch another team lift a trophy again like I just, I just can't do it I can't stomach it I'm, 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 I'm heading down to Box Park we're walking out like I know the trophy hasn't been lifted yet and there's Man City fans walking out as well and I just think how can you ever how can you ever be like that you've come to watch your team in a cup final I mean this podcast is turning into me just hammering Man City <laughs> which I'm not meaning for it to do but you know what I mean like walking out before you've even lifted a trophy it just shows it doesn't mean anything and it, it means everything to me and I'm still upset about it now. I mean, we gave it a good go, though, didn't, didn't we, Greg? I mean, 2-1. When we went 2-0 down, I was I was expecting the worst. But we've lost 2-1. We've given them a game. We were in the game going into the last 10, 15 minutes. Could, could have equalised. How, how did you see the day overall, the game? Yeah, I thought the the fact that Villa was still in there right up until the end um, and obviously went so close hitting the post late on was just a, a show of their grit and determination and resilience that they, you know, they put... They put the disappointing results of previous weeks behind them um, and really gave Manchester City a run for their money. It's always going to be difficult against them and, and Villa are not a team that can really handle Man City's style because they've, no. they've got no pace in the team, have they, Villa? Let's be honest. And any team that's beaten Man City in the past has punished them with pace on the break. Being able to play on the break, yeah. Villa, Villa just haven't got that. You know, no. they've, they've got a brilliant ball-carrying player in Jack Grealish so that compensates in for some of that but they've just got no pace I thought after 20 minutes when they went 1-0 down I thought this is curtains for them the game was over for me then um, disappointing uh, decision by the officials for the second goal should obviously have never have stood um, and then I just thought that's compounded their misery it's going to make it even worse there is no way back well it was there. following the path of the game at Villa Park a month or so earlier wasn't it they yeah. scored two in quick succession and you're just thinking here oh god this is going to be five or six this is going to be like the Watford FA Cup final and we're going to get completely embarrassed but to be fair they did regroup well and showed some good togetherness and spirit yeah they did and look, you know they came out the second half fighting and, and got the goal brilliant goal from Samata um, really good pun- goal punished, punished Man City for a mistake you know, John Stone's at fault again. Um, I don't want to be seeing him in the England team in the summer. That's what one of my takeaways from, from Wembley. Yeah, he struggled, hasn't he? Um, I'm surprised to see him start, to be honest. He hasn't been playing much. No, but again, that just shows, doesn't it, how Manchester City yeah. don't really care about the, the, the League Cup. You know, they're, um, they can put their inferior players in. So, but yeah, you know, the second half was better for Villa. Um, and clearly, Dean Smith was pleased. Because you could see the huddle at the end that you know there was a reason for that, wasn't it? There, there yeah. wasn't a you know if if he if he wasn't if he didn't care if he didn't feel like he was wasn't proud of the team he'd have just taken them in the dressing room, but there was a reason for that. It was a show of solidarity and I think uh, um, almost a almost um, a symbol for the fans to just stick together and say, look, this is what we've got now. Um, and presumably the words he would have said in there were, if we play like that for the remainder of the season, we've got a chance of staying up. It felt like, like you say, a message to the fans and just trying to get the players together and actually say to them, look, you you, you can be a good team on your day. You've, you've, you've got to keep this going. Now. You've got to, you've got to, even though you've lost, you've got to take something from today. Do you think they will take something? Do you think it, it can be carried into the into the league now? Because like you say, they did. They kind of left the bad performances in the league behind. It was a one-off game, change of system, a, a, a few changes in the lineup as well. And we treated it like a one-off, but... We've pretty much got 11 one-offs again now that we've got to keep doing that and treat games as cup finals because they're massive. Yeah, I'm not too sure. I know this sounds very defeatist. I just think that a loss is a loss. I think that they they will take some 
positives out of the out of the performance because they did play well. But it's another loss. It's another yeah. L on the on the um, on the fixture on the fixtures and results list, and that's four in a row now. And it's starting to become a real concern because you, you're looking at every game now, thinking when's that next win going to come? I mean, we'll only really know if that Man City performance had any impact on on that team after the Leicester game. It's so far away as well. You know, it's and still it's, so and far and away. I, and I'm worried already about it. I'm I'm concerned for Villa every time they go out at the moment. Um, I, I know this sounds very depressing, actually, but you know, yeah, I, and I, I want the I want the club to stay up as much as anyone else. Um, but just fear for them at the moment. I hope they hope the change of system. I, I think fair play to Dean Smith. You know, I think he got the, the team right at Wembley. Yeah, I agree. You know, it, it was always going to be difficult to. Um, to hold Man City or to get anything out of that game or take them into extra time or even win the game. But I do think he got the system right and I think it worked. And that just shows that the manager's adaptable. And we spoke to Stephen Warnock last week on, on this podcast and he said that managers in the Premier League, they need a plan A, a plan B, a plan C, a plan D. Let's be honest, we haven't seen that much from Dean Smith, have we? We've, we've seen his... his you know, very similar systems. He's shown that he can change it around. Well, he's absolutely had to. He's, he's changed it on a couple of times now, hasn't he? The Burnley, yeah. he felt like he had to change it for that game. And it felt a bit the same on Sunday. Like, he's got to do something different here. But if you look at the Burnley game, for example, he changed it and it had an impact. Manchester City changed it. It had an impact to an extent. Okay, they lost, but they still play better. So if, if Filler mix it up and just make it a bit different for teams, then they're not going to be so predictable and that, that might be the way to go ahead of, the, you know, in the rest of the season. Just make things a bit different for opponents so they surprise and shock them. You can't them. plan for it, can you then? Because at Burnley that day on the 1st of January, they hadn't planned for Villa playing three at the back and it caught them by surprise and we started fast and, and we give them a bit of problems. We started this game fast, to be fair as well. The first big chance fell to us really with El Ghazi. Perhaps should have done better, but you know what? That was a, that was a decent chance and a good start, and I, I was surprised at that, and I, and I liked what I saw for the first ten minutes or so. I actually said that probably the worst thing Villa could have done would was score an early goal because they would then drop back, sit deep, Man City would expose them. But you're at Wembley, you can't <laughs> beggars can't be choosers, can't you? If you get the option of scoring, I'd have taken let's it. Take it. So. I'd have liked to have gone one 0 up to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to know what that felt like. Certainly something to hold on to, and you, the fans would have got very excited. But yeah, Villa started well and and they finished well. So you know there were positive signs, but I just think that we'll only know for sure whether that performance meant anything against Leicester. Um, because Villa can't lose that game now. They have to go there and get something. They have to because games are, like games are running lot. out. We have said I that mean, they that. actually have to this time. They, they have to. Games are running out and results went horrendously against them um, last week. Oh, terrible and weekend. There's just a lot of things going against Villa at the moment. That They'll be playing last, so the pressure will be on them. Um, you know, t- Teams will play Saturday and Sunday. They, they could be cut adrift already by Monday. We, um, now Newcastle have progressed in the FA Cup there's yeah. now going to be a 20 day period with no games <laughs> and that just makes the fixture list look even more harder they've now got Leicester Chelsea Wolves Liverpool uh, Man United as the next five games it's just all starting to look very bleak isn't it so it's why they need to go and get a result at Leicester for those wanting to check into Greg's motivational speaking seminar, we'll have the details at the end of the podcast. Greg, you're bringing me down here. Big I'm time. sorry, Dan. Do you know what? Are I'm, you I'm being just real? stating the facts. I'm, I know, just, I'm I know. just looking at. The, I'm just looking at the fixtures, and you know, it's, it, I, I want I want the club to stay up desperately. You know, it, it's in my interest. I, I'd love the club to stay up. It'd be brilliant to cover Premier League football again next season, and you know, for the fans to enjoy another season and then kick on from there. But it's just it, it, they've got to start getting results yeah. somewhere. 
no one wants to do a championship podcast because you, oh. you have to do one every few days because just <laughs> just so many games and uh, I don't think it's I don't know whether it's possible or not. Our producer shaking his head. Yeah, he so doesn't want to be <laughs> staying here with us every few days. I mean, he's, he he looks saddened by what you've been saying as as well so far. Do you like beer? Do you like free? How about you guessed it, free beer? As a valued listener, we'd like to bestow upon you just that. Thanks to our good pals at beer52.com, you have the opportunity to sip eight delicious, painstakingly sourced craft beers from around the world. All you need to do is go to www.beer52.com slash 1874 and cover just the postage of £4.95. You've got to pay the poster. And as if that wasn't enough, as a listener of 1874, you'll get two extra free beers. So that's 10 free beers overall. Beer 52 are beer pioneers. They traverse the globe to find the best and most interesting beer from the greatest small batch breweries planet Earth has to offer. No surprise then that they're the world's most popular craft beer discovery club. Each month, Beer 52 delivers a case with a different theme. Themes have included Germany, Korea, Belgium, South Africa, California, New Zealand and many more. But they haven't forgotten their roots. And as an independent UK company, Beer 52 are passionate about the UK craft beer scene. The beauty of Beer 52 is that you can leave any time. The power's in your hands. As well as the best, most interesting beer money can buy, your case will include the award-winning craft beer magazine, Ferment, which explains the theme and individual beers you'll receive, and a beery snack is thrown in as well just to top it all off. Don't like dark beers? Choose the light plan. Easy. Just go to www.beer52.com slash 1874 to get your case free. And don't forget, right now, 1874 listeners get two free extra beers. You've touched on the, on the selection. Were you surprised to see Elmo right midfield? Because that's not, not happened all season. Yeah, I was surprised. I was surprised to see Gilbert where he was as well. Um, but what, is he in playing at all? Or Yeah, I thought he was the worst player on the pitch um, against uh, in the week before. Southampton. Yes, yeah, I, th- I thought he struggled. Um, but to be fair to him, he played right against yeah. Man City. So it was a justified decision from... Um, from Dean Smith, but yeah, I was very surprised with the whole with the lineup to be honest. Um, but I think it was the right one. You surprised Connor didn't play? I thought he played just because he'd done well in the Carabao Cup. I felt like there was a place a place for him in the side. Now I, I didn't think Louise had the best day. If I'm being honest, it's dangerous for me to criticise Louise because whenever I do, I get hammered. But I, I just didn't feel like he had a good day. No, I agree with you. I thought he was poor as well. Uh, gave the ball away too many times in, in dangerous positions as well on the halfway line and allowing City to break. Um, and I wasn't surprised that Hurahan didn't play, but I would have played him, yeah. if that makes sense. Um, I feel like I've got nothing to lose with him, really, because I feel like the reason he doesn't get picked is for the defensive side of the game. But we ship so many goals without him in, in midfield. At least he might offer you something from a set piece. I mean, I thought our set pieces weren't great when we did get the opportunity. But then again, on the he, he comes on, doesn't he? Whips that brilliant corner yeah, in exactly. and they almost score from it again in the last minute from Engels. So that that just shows me. I, I, I've said this week after week. I, I would play around because yeah, I think he's got to be. I, in. I just think that he doesn't do as much as some of the other midfielders in terms of the dirty side of the game and tackling and winning. But does he do any less? That's what but, I ask. But. I would always have him in there because of his contribution for goals. Um, he always seems to pop up with a with a goal or an assist. So I'd definitely have him in there. I I yeah. I wasn't surprised that he didn't play at Wembley because he hasn't played in recent weeks. Because Smith threatened, didn't he, to make? I mean, to be fair, he, did, he was a man of his word. He did make a few changes, but he said there's people who've played themselves out out of this team. 
Well, yeah, I mean, you seen, didn't we, with Hawes and Conza? Both Gone, dropped. Yeah. Hawes didn't even make the squad. Um, I bet you were pleased with that after you'd done the Conza piece a few days before. Oh, delighted, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Aston Villa put three players up for uh, for interview and two of them didn't play a minute, so <laughs> that worked well, didn't yeah. it? <laughs> um, someone's asked, actually, Daniel Gandhi's asked about the Engels and Ming's partnership. Do you think we'll see that going forward again now? Because for me, that's our best centre-half pairing together. I think as a combination, they're the best two. Yeah, the two of them started really well. Um, I remember interviewing Jack Grealish at the start of the season and he said, you know, and he was waxing lyrical about the two of them, saying how brilliant they were. Grealish's comment actually was, I don't want Tyrone and Bjorn to be the best players um, in the team going forward because that means that we're always having to defend but the fact that we were all talking about the two of them they you know I think they had the most amount of clearances or interceptions didn't they and we've got to keep that together headed now. clearances I think the two of them are um are quite solid yeah and, and I know that they were enjoying playing together um I thought Engels was he can't dress up his error nicely against Tottenham but no. but he was probably the best defender on the day take that away he had a bit of a shocker in terms of a few a few errors but no, I think he did, he did collectively he did, he did quite well I thought he um, did some good things on Sunday yeah and he and, he, and he's a natural threat from corners isn't he you know yeah. he scored against Tottenham he almost scored against Man City so and that's something Villa need to work on scoring from corners and using their um, aerial ability Contra and Hawes looked a bit burnt out to me a bit, a bit mentally shot if, if, if that makes sense like they just we've been conceding so many goals so, so much pressure under us every game and I felt like as, as young players they were struggling with that a little bit for Konza t- time's definitely on his side um, he's obviously had two full seasons in League One one full season in the Championship and now he's uh, building his way up to a Premier League player this season if Villa stay up will be seen as a successful season for Esri Konza because He's now a Premier League player. He's learnt from that and he's still only 22 years old. Yeah. So time is definitely on his side. With Courtney Hawes, he's the same. Um, you know, he made his Premier League debut only a few months ago. So, and he's still only 24 years old. So it, it's it's a learning curve for these players. Um, I think we might see Hawes at left back at some point still. You know, that's still an option. Um it, their Villa careers aren't done and dusted. The no, season no, no. isn't over. It's just a, you know, maybe a time to pull them out the firing line. And as you say, they were conceding way, way too many goals, and you wonder how that feels for you, for your confidence. And you're not going to drop Mings because he's your leader and your most um, your most influential defender. Um, so yeah, I mean, yeah, the fact that they've the fact that they've had they had four or five centre halves to choose from at the start of the season. Now they've only got four. Um, I think Engels and Ming- Eng- Engels, Engels, Mingles. Mingles, that's what, that's what we call <laughs> Let's it. Let's just call them Mingles. Yeah. Mingles is the way forward. Now, if any Man City fans have listened to this, I'm going to be in big trouble because basically I started the podcast by completely slating the club. But I do want to give a little bit of praise to, to Phil Foden. I thought he was amazing on the day. He easily man of the matching. Right, Jack's unbelievable with his best player been unreal all season but it, it was Foden that stood out on that pitch on, on Sunday wasn't it he had it playing yeah. right mid as well and I don't think he's ever done that I don't I don't remember ever seeing him play right mid but Pep's decided to try it against Villa of course and it's worked wonderfully yeah brilliant young player looking forward to seeing you know how good he can be and for for, for England hopefully as well in the future um, I think he's got a chance now you know for the Euros possibly yeah after, after seeing that performance I mean you've got to remember he's, he's like if England had Kevin De Bruyne, for example, then they'd be playing him, wouldn't they? Yeah. And and the, the options Manchester City have got are just incredible. Uh, I thought Rodri played well as well, um, but but yeah, Phil Foden was the, was the standout performer and um, caused Target just, all sorts of yeah, problems. Just, target had a bad him, day against gave him. Gave him the run around, unfortunately. Yeah, and it's just he, when you're a brilliant player like he probably is going to be, 
and and you can shine on the on the center stage like that um you know the 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 sky is the limit for him. I've seen another young lad, didn't we, for Chelsea against Liverpool, Billy Gilmore. Oh, Gilmore last night, brilliant, you know. What struck me with Foden was not even anything he did on the ball. The timing of his movement was just bang on all the time. I mean, Man City are very much like that all around the pitch, aren't they? I know that's something that Pep, Pep works on all the time. The timing of moves and being in the right place when balls come across and things like that. But for that for that goal, his run was just was just pinpoint. He just he just target was asleep basically yeah. a little bit and the way, the way he just timed his run he did that a few times down that right hand side the one, I don't know if you remember the one touch he made the way he just pulled the mm. ball down it was one of the most his, rid- his first touch is unbelievable it's one of the most ridiculous things I think I've ever seen on a football pitch it was just easy he didn't even have to stop his, his run because of the yeah, on, he? yeah unbelievable he, he had a great game and I wish Pepper decided to give him a chance on the right wing a different time or send him out on loan to Villa for the season or just any, anything would have done just as long as he wasn't out there on Sunday <laughs> I mean I thought when I saw De Bruyne wasn't playing I'll get in. No De Bruyne, brilliant. I mean, he did come on after 50, 50 or so minutes, but Foden basically yeah. coming in for him. Hasn't done Villa any favours? No, Foden was brilliant, but I mean, I watched De Bruyne as soon as he came on and the first two first two passes he made almost set up goals. So it, they've just yeah, got quality all over the pitch and, you know, Mares didn't play. He would have caused equal amount of problems as well. So it was always going to be difficult for Villa and yeah, you're right to pick up Foden because he was brilliant, but they would have had another alternative to be able to produce a performance just the same. Now, as much as I, th- I think Villa did did well and I think they put in a, a decent display, if you asked me to pick a man of the match, I think I'd struggle. I don't think I could put, pull one out of the air, I think, but I think they've had to. Probably be Nealand again. Yeah, I thought, some, yeah. Made some savvy stops. and I thought Mings did okay second half. He yeah. made a lot of clearances. Do you think Mings was at fault at all for the first goal? I've seen a few people question that on social media. Bit slow to react to Aguero. Could have done more. Yeah, possibly. I mean, look, he won't be happy with it because he's he's near to the ball, isn't he? He's near to Aguero, and and Villa have conceded from it. He won't be happy at, at it when he uh, evaluates the goal. But I just thought it was a sloppy goal to give away. I thought Target got caught, didn't he, down the left again? Both goals were horrible, really. Yeah, they were they were ugly, aren't they? But when's a nice goal to concede? They're all horrible, aren't they? No, but when you <laughs> play, we're talking about all this great play from Man City, all, all these great players, but you look at the two goals we've shipped. They're not good. I mean, you, you sat, you're right in saying the second one it, it shouldn't have happened and it does feel a bit like we're cursed in, in cup finals again. We're talking about a bad piece of officiating as cost Villa to, to an extent, a bit like Phil Dowd in, in 2010. It, it should be a goal kick, but Villa should defend the corner. How many times have we talked about us not defending corners this season? And Rodri, I'm pretty sure he's Man City's tallest player. Yeah, it's Gilbert yeah. marking him. Can you, can you shed any light on that? Not that you're on the coaching staff no, or anything, but can you? No, no, it was any a strange clue? one. He, I mean, he ran almost from the edge of the box, didn't he, as well? So he was given a lot of time to be almost unchallenged. Um, and he's planted a header in from considerable distance out. So you've got to give him credit for doing it. But at the same time, it, it, that's Villa's issue. You know, they should be defending that better. I'm not sure the stats, but I think... I think Villa have conceded the most in the Premier League from set pieces. It wouldn't be a surprise. Corners, I bet, we, maybe. I bet um, we've conceded the most before half-time as well, and, yeah. just, and just after. Well, the problem is they're almost bottom of the league now, aren't they? So you can understand why yeah. these uh, stats are, are going against them. But, yeah, it's poor organisation. They should be doing better from that, because Man City rarely score and from corners and put balls into the box like that. Because you think they? that's a way you could get at Man City. Yeah. Obviously, we nearly did. We nearly scored at the end, end from one, but... You don't like you're right. You don't associate them with scoring lots of headers from corners. It's it's really disappointing. I think that's tarnished it a little bit for me. Just the, the manner of the two goals we've conceded. Like if you're playing against Man City, if De Bruyne whips one in from 25 yards or puts one of those delicious 
balls into the box and Aguero gets on the end of it. You kind of just accept it and say that they're just class. But the two goals on the day, they weren't great from Villa's point of view. But no, then Man City no. won't be happy with Villa's goal either. That, that, that's how it works, isn't it? Exactly. I mean, there were three goals and all, all probably individual errors that have, yeah. that have led to them. So, disappointing. And one final thing on, on the cup final then. I just wanted to... Because when I came out, initially I was, I was very disappointed. felt like we could have done perhaps a little bit more. But a few days later, having time to digest and think about it. And actually, being around the Villa fans after the game where they're, they're saying to me how proud they are and stuff. You look back a year or so ago, we weren't even in the top six of the championship. Now we've got ourselves promoted. We're in the Premier League. We've still got a chance of staying up, and we've been to, we've been to a cup final and ran Man City close. Like in reality, it's, it's not all bad, is it? No, when you put it like that, you're totally right. You know, I agree that I've dressed that up in a very positive <laughs> way. <laughs> Relegation yeah. and uh, losing yeah. a cup final. Yeah, it's not all bad. Really. <laughs> no, look, uh, you, you're totally right in, to put it into context like that because just over twelve months ago, Villa were. Villa were out of the the, the playoff hunt. Well, I they? would I'd resign myself to another year of championship. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I remember a time when Dean Smith was planning for pre-season. He was planning to get all the players back in early, you know, real early in June, um, and to to try and give it another go for for, for next season. And that was completely ripped up because any they, players they listening to this now, till June, did yeah. any players listening <laughs> yeah. to this now, will be hoping we don't go down because I bet they don't fancy coming back in June. <laughs> well, I don't think there'll be many left, mate. <laughs> Um, <laughs> sorry to put it like that, but uh, yeah, look, it's 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 been a it's been a crazy, hectic twelve months, and there's been plenty of positives to take from it. Villa just need to find a way to survive now. If they can survive, we can actually look back on this season and think, yeah, it's been a good season. Because at the start of the season, the aim was to stay up, and I say this every week, but as long as they stay up, that's all that matters. It's just I'm just finding it really difficult to build a case for them at the moment. Yeah, I mean, at the start of the season, people were saying to me, "If you were offered seventeenth, would you take it?" And I was like, "No." <laughs> well, no I, I think we can finish. It wasn't. I, I mean, I did say there I wouldn't take it, but I, I was just thinking that we'd. I felt like we'd end the season well, and we'd end up com- not, not comfortably mid-table, but just around mid-table, but have a few games to spare at the end. I felt like. Dean Smith gets his teams going in the second half of the season and fingers crossed he can do that. Let's look to Leicester now. You've already said it's must, must, must win for the, for the Villa boys. Yeah. I had to look at the ta- sneak a look at the table before we came in and with my glass half full with three points from 15th with the game in hand. Yeah, that, that sounds nice, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, let's hope it's still the same uh, on Monday, but with two games in hand. Yeah, because <laughs> it was a horrific weekend. Forget the cup final, I'm not even talking talking about losing a cup final there. Just the Premier League, just, it felt like it really had it in for us at the weekend. When I saw, when I saw Watford were 3-0 up at Liverpool, against Liverpool, I was like, what is going on here? I, I know it's a strange one, no one will believe me, but I actually called that Watford game. I actually thought that, oh, oh, you didn't say I was watching it, I was telling my friends, my proper friends, Dan, that, um, <laughs> <laughs> that Watford had win and uh, you know, lo and behold they did. But it started really badly, didn't it, for Villa the weekend because obviously Leicester beat Norwich, uh, sorry, Norwich beat yeah. Leicester on the Friday. Um Saturday results were awful and compounded by the late game with with uh, with Watford beating Liverpool. I mean, thank um, God Chelsea scored at the end. I know, Otherwise, I, I mean, know, that's yeah. the only that's kind of small consolation. Yeah, the ball yeah. And, and, and Brighton losing because I do think they'll be one of the three teams that will go down. Now. Yeah, they look poor at the moment. They, Brighton, they're, they're on a real bad run. But a poor weekend for Villa. Disappointing. Um, you just think a Leicester gettable can can the one thing I would say we beat them this season. Yeah, the one thing I would say is that Villa have played them three times already this season and they've progressively got better every game, haven't they? They lost the yeah. first one, absolutely battered at home, drew the second one in the cup, 
won the third one. So, you know, let's hope that upward curve continues. Um, because if they do, the, the whole the whole picture will look so much brighter, won't it, if, if they get a win. It's a big ass to go there and win Villa's away form is pretty dire. Let, let's be fair. Leicester haven't won in four now. They've they've drawn two and lost two. Of the, in that, that's their recent record. Part of me just feels like, well, they ain't going to lose again. Yeah, you, having lost you to do Norwich, worry, don't you? You, you? you do worry. I think I think Villa won. Uh, sorry, Leicester have won eleven out of the Leicester won eleven out of thirteen games after they beat Villa. They're on the slowdown, aren't they? At the moment, uh, and you know they were. I mean, they were flying. They were almost top four guaranteed just after Christmas. But it's you know they are on They're the slide. They're in the title race at that point. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. Um, they are on the slide. You know, teams have found a way to beat them. Um, their their impact players have gone gone a little bit quiet. Uh, Vardy's goals have dried up, haven't they? Um, Unfortunately, though, his replacement enjoys playing against Villa, as we've discovered yeah, on this pod a few yeah, times this sure season. Sure, he does. Um, it looks it's going to be a difficult game, but I just I think Villa can take some confidence and belief from the last game into that. Whether they'll get anything, you know, who knows? I'm I'm not I'm not a uh, I'm no good on predictions. So we just always tend to give ourselves too much to do in these away these away Premier League games. I think like. You go one nil down in the first twenty minutes or so, concede another one before half time, and then it's always it's always an uphill task. It's got to change though, because if it doesn't, we're going down. Yeah, exactly that. You know, Villa have got to change something. Their their patterns are horrible at the moment. They need to book the trend somehow. They can't beat any of the top teams. They can't win away. So they're going to a third place team away from home. On, on Monday, so that that's got to change at some point. If it doesn't, they are going down. So I mean, look, at this point, they know it's all still in their own hands. They've just got to go and get the wins. It's easier said than done. Yeah, because you look at Norwich, t- two of their wins off the top of my head are obviously Leicester at home and Man, Man City at home. Yeah, like, every team has seen. We, I mean, literally every have spoke about every this every week. Has. Every, every team, team pulls out that freak result, and we just haven't been able to do it all season. We we've got to start doing it. McGinn, any, any slight chance of McGinn? Do you think? Not for Monday, no. no. I think couple, couple more weeks still. Um, actually, miss actually the 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 game missing the Newcastle and Sheffield United yeah, games work that actually works in in Villa's favour because you know those games will now be rearranged for April, so they will have uh, John McGinn back for more games than not now, which is very positive because you want him in that team, don't you? Yeah, we need him back. He he just offers something that none of the other midfielders can with that just infectious energy and the way the way he plays the game, the way. Yeah, and goal scoring threat as well. He's an easy show yeah. at the start of the season. Yeah, we need we need him back because it felt like his form had tired off a little bit before he got injured because he was carrying an ox. It feels like we've been without Super John McGinn since about October, November. Really, it's it's a it's a long time to be without one of your best players, and it, like it or not, that is a contributing factor to us being where they are. Because I'm pr- I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure we'd have more points when McGinn in there. Massively, and you know, when we analyse this at the end of the season, Villa have been very, very unlucky. They've lost their number one goalkeeper, they lost their second most influential midfielder, and their record signing in the space of a matter of days. You know, yeah. I mean, you take that off any other team, and any team is going to be hindered by it. any team's going to struggle. So, they have been very unlucky, but. A Premier League squad needs to be able to handle that and needs to be able to cope with it. Villa just haven't had the, the exact quality, uh, you know, the right quality to replace them. But the sooner McGinn's back, the better. Yeah, we jump to some questions now. I put a tweet. I was just asking for a few questions. So a couple, a couple of people have asked about Louis Barry here, Dino and Tyler O'Hanlon. They want to know about Louis Barry. He's obviously been scoring for the under-23s. He's been making a contribution in every game he's played for Villa's various teams since, since he joined the club. 
Do you think there's any chance of him playing a part at all this season, or do you just way too soon to even be talking yeah, about that? Yeah, I just that? think too soon. I mean, look, you know, I, I don't know the, I don't know how. You know, he's, look, he's a good player, but I, I speak to people who know more about football than I do, and they tell me that you know he's a very young, he's a very young player as we know, and it's just to throw him straight into Premier League football is, you know, it's it's madness really. Yeah. He needs a bit of time to. He's a very good player. He believes in himself. He's, he's making an impact in the under-23s. But to, to, to get that promotion into the first team, you need to be absolutely excelling at under-23 level. Jacob Ramsey, for example, was starting to do that. And he's now playing in League two, uh, League One with Doncaster. And now, you know, w- w- Jacob Ramsey's going to be a very good player, but he's not shining in League Two. So for Louis Barry, he's just got to be a bit patient. And so Villa fans. Yeah, we've got James Philippe here saying Grealish has to go back to the left, asking us for our thoughts. But do you think he'll keep that same system on, on Monday? Because Jack was a 10, wasn't he? Yeah, I'm not sure. He's mixed it up a few times against Leicester, hasn't he? He's trying to, trying to outwit Brendan Rodgers, who, who who got the better of him in that first leg. Uh, sorry, in that first game, yeah. when, when he changed his own system. I'm not too sure about Jack. I, 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 think, he can, I think he can perform well in both in both positions. I still don't know where his best place is because he's played well on the left at times. He's also played well in the middle. So I think he's just that good that he can he can perform better and he, he can perform just as well in either position. Finishes ever with the Villa Vault. So it's Wednesday now we're recording. But a year yesterday, on Tuesday, it was Jack Grealish, his first game as Aston Villa captain and he's pretty much been captain ever since so just wanted to talk to you really about the last year for Jack as Villa captain because he's achieved a lot actually in that year and a lot's happened to Villa in that year as well and he's obviously been a big part of it so just wanted to know your thoughts on the last 12 months of Jack really yeah I think I think he's matured a lot the the getting the having the captaincy has um allowed him to flourish in his career uh the reason Dean Smith gave him the captaincy is because he thought that you know, it could really bring the best out of him. Somebody like Tyrone Mings or now uh, Tom Heaton would be probably seen as an ideal captain, and and actually even Samata because he's the captain for for his country and for his previous clubs. You know, he could potentially be someone in the future that that could captain this club. But for Jack, it, it, I think that it was a, it was a masterstroke really for me from Dean Smith because it, it it gave him more responsibility and just allowed him to flourish. Um, and he's thrived off that responsibility. Yeah, because I always think some players like Heaton and Mings, you give them the captaincy, won't change how they play. It exactly. literally won't change They're anything for them. Leaders, but they? for Jack, he raises his game, doesn't yeah, he? I mean, that, he's, he's already at an incredible yeah. level, but it just gives him that little bit more, doesn't it? It gives him that extra, and that, that's what you want. And I, I would rather have a captain like that than someone that's just going to be a leader anyway, if, if that makes sense. That's it, yeah. And, you know, every player at Aston Villa loves Jack Grealish. You know, they all warm to him. He, he's such a such a lovable, easy-going guy. And, you yeah. know, ev- everybody gets on well with him. And he did an interview recently with, I think it was with the Express and Star, a very good interview. And he said that... Um, uh, he used to be like the, the last one trudging off in the warm-ups and you know now he's having to be the first one and sort of putting those final words into the players setting right, the tone this is, yeah exactly setting the tone this is it now that's 10 minutes to kick off you know let's get, let's get in the zone um, and so yeah I think it's just helped him take his game to a new level yeah I've got a little list here of things that have happened in the in the year to Jack so obviously the game he came back first first game as captain he scored that unbelievable volley against Derby that set Villa on that 10 game run he scored the winner at St Andrews also been punching the head by one of their fans, but we won't talk too much about that. He scored Villa's goal of the season away at Rotherham in the midst of that run. 
lifted the playoff trophy. He's picked up goals and assists in his Villa's most productive player in the Premier League this season. Winner against Burnley on New Year's Day. He's had one of the best games I've ever seen from anyone at Villa Park in a cup semi-final and he's led us out at Wembley in a, in a domestic cup final. You've missed one thing there. What have I missed? He dyed his hair half blonde. Half blonde as well. Excellent hair. He's, I went to, actually went to a, a local barber's in, in, I don't have a in Birmingham usually and that everyone wants to know where Jack gets his hair done. Because all <laughs> the other crazy. Villa players go to this place where I went but they say no one really knows where Jack gets his hair done. So yeah, if you know, make sure you leave a comment and let us know. Thanks ever so much to Greg for joining me today on, on 1874. It's been quite sobering to go over the cup final defeat, but as ever, it's great to spend time with you, Greg, even if I'm not one of your real friends. It's, it's, been, it's been good. Do check out Greg's interview with Stephen Warner from last week as well, because there'll be plenty of relevant points in there still, and it'll be worth going back. Remember, for ad-free podcasts, make sure you subscribe to The Athletic and listen through the app. You can get a 40% discount now by using the code VILLAPOD. Thanks ever so much for listening. Up the Villa.